You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. So take your Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to the book of Romans to start with, but I'm going to take you through a, uh, an epic journey this morning. I want to talk about the gospel of power. Yes. The gospel of power. I briefly mentioned last week... Um, there came a time in my life when I was pretty young where I heard the voice of the Lord. I was, I think I was five, if I remember correctly. It was either five or six, but I heard the voice of the Lord. But when I heard the voice of the Lord, has anybody had that experience where you heard God speak to you when you were really young? Anybody? It happened when I was really, really young, but it didn't happen, and this may help some of you guys, because chances are you heard from the Lord when you were young, you just didn't know it was him speaking to you. I heard from him in first person. I heard from him, and he was speaking as if it were me speaking. I heard from him when I was walking down the hallway of my father's house, and I heard this thing inside, and it was a, it was a knowledge, it was an understanding, it was an experience, it was all together in one, but I heard I really need Jesus. Now, some would say, well, that's Andrew, that's you. But no, it was really, it was really the Lord speaking to me. It's really Holy Spirit speaking to me. So first of all, let me encourage you with something. For those in here that might say, I have a difficult time hearing the Lord, chances are you hear him all the time because he's always speaking. He's always talking. It's just that we tend to put him in a box on the way, in a box on the way he speaks. And sometimes he'll speak to us through first person. That's the way he spoke to me. That's when I had my first experience or encounter with God. And it was one of those things that's hard to describe, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I was his and he was mine. I knew it. I I knew it. I just knew that whatever it was, as much as a five-year-old could understand it, I wanted him and I wanted to be close to him. Some would say, Andrew, that's when you got saved. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. That's most certainly when I experienced my salvation and I knew it to be true. Not too long after that, the way we did baptisms was we went down to the river and we did. Anybody else get baptized in a river? Yeah, that's, we don't do that much anymore. Yeah, upstream, right? But I got baptized not too long after that. And I remember even in that experience as well. It was it was an encounter with God, and and I'll never forget that as long as I live. There are memories that I carry in my life that I will absolutely never forget, and those are among some of them. So. In that life that I grew up in, my dad's a pastor. I was in the Pentecostal charismatic church my whole life, born on Saturday, in church on Sunday. And I was around all different kinds of miraculous signs and wonders. I remember being very young and watching people's legs and arms grow out during prayer meetings, being prayed for. Anybody ever experienced anything like that? It's really, it's almost like that's the norm. It's like, I feel like at this point in my life, if there's somebody who's got something wrong and they've got one leg shorter than the other, we can pray for it and it'll, it's guaranteed. It's going to happen. It's just, it's just become so much part of life. So I experienced signs and wonders like that growing up. So I had the experience where I heard from the Lord, but then I had the external experiences where I was seeing things happen, but they weren't necessarily happening to me. But I still felt the encounters with God, even when that was happening. 
So is this all making sense this morning? So there's the experience you can have with God that's personal, but there's the other things that happen outside of you, but still speak to, to you about God, speak to you about his nature, his character, his person, speaks to us about the kingdom. All of those things are really important. But the most profound personal encounter I had with God was when I was 32 years old. I'm not going to go into the story because I've told it 100,000 times in here. But I was radically set free from addiction at 32 years old. What, Andrew? You were saved when you were five. Yep, it happens to the best of us. I got radically, that was the most profound, powerful encounter that I've ever had with God. And I tell the story about that quite often for a couple of reasons. There's power in it. And this is the gospel of power that we're talking about. There's power in it when the testimony is released. But the testimony primarily is not about what has happened to you. It's about who has happened to you. Amen? Amen. The best testimonies that I ever hear are the kind of testimonies that give me a little bit about what happened in the natural, but they speak more to what happened inside of them because they had an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. Those are the best testimonies on the planet. You hear me this morning? I love to hear stories about people's transformed lives, about people getting healed, about all this wonderful stuff that happens. But the most important thing to me whenever I'm hearing a testimony is I'm listening for this one thing. I'm listening for where's the encounter with God in that? Where's the encounter with God? Because when you have an encounter with the living Christ, the Savior, the creator of the universe, when you have an encounter with him, I'm telling you guys, nobody with an argument is ever going to take that away from you. Aren't you thankful for that? In other words, a person with an argument, or an, uh, sorry, a person with an experience in God is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. Ever. Ever. Well, Andrew, don't you think you've got to be careful because people can't live by experiences alone? Yes, that's true. We can't live by experiences alone because not every experience we have is a God encounter. That's true. But I must say this. I don't think we as a church are in danger of that. I don't know about you, but are you reading that same Bible I'm reading? I hear about people having experiences in there all the time. And if my level of experience is not coming up to that level of experience, then I have reason to question what I'm really learning out of this. Hello? Just right now, I'm saying this, just interjecting this. Right now, people are going to get healed, and people are going to get baptized with the Holy Spirit this morning. You're going to receive the gospel of power. You're going to receive it this morning. I can feel it already. So hopefully I'm not going to talk very long here. I do want to get through what God has given me. The gospel of power. Romans 1.16 says this. It's one of my favorite passages. It says this. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Come on. Say it with me. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, also for the Greek. That's good news, isn't it? Here's Paul, he's writing in the first chapter, he's writing to the Romans and he's saying, guys, I have longed to come to you that I might give to you. The first part of chapter one, he says that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Uh, He wants to impart something to him. Impartation is a wonderful thing. Impartation is when an individual has gotten connected to something and they want to impart it to another individual. This is Paul. He says, I want to impart to you some spiritual gift. I don't know what the spiritual gift was. It could have been, I don't know, we can make it up. I don't know. But he says, I want to impart to you some spiritual gift. So what is he saying? He's saying, I want to bring to you something that God has brought to me. And I know that he brings it to everybody. But when I lay hands on you, it's going to wake it up inside of you. Is that good? This is what impartation does. 
Don't ever think that impartation has to do with somebody having something that you don't have. You can look at it like that to a certain extent, but it really is in the laying on of hands. It's waking up something inside of you. That's already in there. Because he doesn't give the spirit, or he gives the spirit without measure, correct? Mm -hmm. He gives the spirit without measure. So if I'm imparting something to you, all I'm doing is laying hands on you to try to wake it up inside of you. And it gets woken up because of I've experienced something. I've come into an encounter with the king. I've come into a number of encounters with Jesus throughout the years. And they're always useful for something. When I got set free from my addiction, I remember walking in this euphoric state for almost a year of this just absolute saturation, this absolute overwhelming feeling of connection and the love of the Father like I had never felt before in my life. It was the most wonderful thing. Everywhere I went, I could touch people and they would feel God coming off of me. Now, I'm not saying that to say, hey, look at me. I'm saying this is what happens when we have encounters with God. It changes us so radically that wherever we go, people just want to be around that. They want to know what that is. They want to catch whatever it is that's going on inside of you. But after a long period of walking like that, I heard Holy Spirit speak to me and he says, Andrew, when I set you free, it wasn't for you alone. Everywhere you go, you're to release that. Everywhere you go. You're to release that. And I'm telling you what, I will give my life to that. I will give my life to releasing this gospel of power. The gospel, it says here, put that back up on the screen if you would. The gospel, it doesn't say it contains power. What does it say? It is power. power. The gospel is power. Okay, now you have to ask the question, and what is the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel by definition means good tidings or a good story, or good news. So whenever we're bringing the good news about the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ to people, there's power inside of it. Do you know how we can render the gospel powerless? When we bring a gospel that has to do with somebody else having to do something. When we reduce the gospel down to a transaction, if you will do this, then God will do this. Hello, are you with me? That's reducing the gospel down to a transaction. And when we do that, there's zero power in it. What we end up with is a bunch of people who want to conform to rules and regulations. If I will do this, then God will do this. Or God, will do, God did this, so I will do this. The only prerequisite for us to enter into the kingdom of God is believe. Can I pound that in really hard right now? It's believe. Like as if, as if I don't do that enough around here. It's believe. It's believe. That's all it is. Believe. Come on, that's a good word right there. Believe. Well, don't I have to do something? Oh, just believe. Trust me. You start believing the truth, your life will line up. Guaranteed, it will follow. I am brought from darkness into marvelous light. Darkness into marvelous light. Is there any darkness that I'm still living in in my life? I guarantee you, if there is, and there are places, but it's not because he didn't do it. He didn't finish the work. It's because I'm not simply believing something he's already said to be true. That every, take it to the bank. That's how it works. If there are areas in our life where we're not finding victory, it's simply because we're not believing the gospel, the good news. It's part of our humanity, church. Are you still with me? It's part of our humanity to want to try to do something to complete 
the work. I'll give you an example. It happened to me this morning. I had that feeling this morning where I wanted to do something. Uh, Jocelyn's going to have some surgery in about a week, and so she's going to be down for a couple of weeks. And someone came and asked me, can, can I do anything for you? And I felt this thing inside of me that wanted to say, no, you can't. Why? Because I want to complete something. I want to I take care of myself. I want to, I don't want to be a slacker, right? You hear what I'm saying? And I, and I stopped for a second, and then I said, no, actually, you could bring us some food. That would be really, really helpful. And then she says, well, how about I come do your laundry? I'm really good at that. And I was like, no, you don't want to do our laundry. She's like, no, I'm really good at it. And I felt it inside of me, this thing of like, no, 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 I don't want somebody touching my underwear. (laughs) You hear where I'm going with this? If somebody comes and wants to offer you something and do something well, isn't there something inside of us that just wants to, well, I'll meet you halfway. I'll just kind of help out just a little bit on that so you don't have to. I'll tell you, I'll make it easy on you. That's when we render the gospel powerless. When we try to complete something that is 100% his doing, all we're simply doing is waking up to this gospel. We're waking up to this good news. We're constantly waking up to this good news over and over again. And there's power in it. There's release in it. I'm learning how to do this a little bit better even with the Lord. I'm learning how to do that, and it's still difficult. It's difficult because I feel like, God, you gave me something. I better go do something with it. Well, yeah, that's true. But if I'm operating out of a sense of obligation, then I've missed it and I've rendered it powerless. But if I'm operating out of a sense of wholeness and who I am, then it has power inside of it. Is this making sense? This gospel is powerful. The word power there. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power. It's the word there is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Does dynamite sound powerful? It's explosive. It breaks things open. It breaks open realms that seem like concrete walls that you can't get through. Dunamis power breaks into those. Look over at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We have this again. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive what? Power. When Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's the same word, dunamis. You shall receive what? Power. When Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I like that. I like what that says there. I like the way it's worded. And you shall be witnesses to me. And you shall be witnesses to me. Does it? We've turned that into, and you shall go witnessing for me. Right? We've turned it into, you shall go witnessing for me. And it says, no, you will be witnesses. In other words, the very person of who you are and where you are turns into an encounter with God because they're looking at it going, you're testifying to something great there. What does a witness do? If you take them into a courtroom, what does a witness do? They testify to what they've seen and what they've heard. I want to testify. (laughs) You don't go witnessing for God. You are a witness. You shall receive power when Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in that power, you will be a witness. I don't have to go anywhere. I'll be a witness wherever I go. I'm a witness when I walk into Publix. Come on. 
or Home Depot or Lowe's or Target. The best place to be a witness, I'm telling you, is Walmart. There is such a thing as a Walmartian. There, there are. I'm telling you, take it to the bank. There are things that are literally called Walmart. Take it. We've done that in there. We've, yeah, we've had encounters with people in Walmart before. It's the best place to go. Be a witness. Don't go try to do witnessing, guys. Be a witness. Well, Andrew, how do I do that? I get a little awkward. Anybody ever be in a church or be in a, like a vacation Bible school or do something where you had to hand out tracts or go do some kind of witnessing? Anybody in your life ever had to go do that and you felt really awkward? Yeah? Oh, my whole life. I mean, my church wasn't this big evangelistic kind of thing that we did, but whenever it happened with youth groups, or, it was like, oh, it was so awkward. Everybody was like, oh, how do you do this? How are you supposed to do this? I'm telling you, when you recognize who you really are and you know this phenomenal cosmic power that lives inside of you, you be a witness wherever you go. It doesn't matter. It's so easy. It's so easy to communicate it because it's not something you're having to conjure up. It just lives inside of you. You shall be a witness, not go witnessing. Turn over to Romans chapter 15. Acts is on the, Romans is on the right side of Acts, isn't it? Okay, Romans chapter 15. Here's Paul speaking to Rome again. Romans chapter 15. Verse 17, let's start there. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed. You catch what he's saying here. I'm not going to speak of anything that God has not accomplished in me. What does this remind you of? It reminds me of the testimony. When God does something inside of us, we speak about it. There was a, um, he's still, he's still a very good friend of mine. He lives in Nashville. He was a part of the church that we had started up there in 2005. And he was a great, very kind man. Um, had a lot of issues in his life. Ended up going through a pretty awful divorce. And it was four or five years long and it was pretty ugly. And I remember him going through the process of that. And I had just met him when we started the church, so I didn't know him well. But what I discovered about him was he had been in church a long time, his whole life, but he had zero understanding of the word. He would misquote scripture all the time. He'd give it the wrong address. And, and that was just a little bit that he knew. It was just, it was wrong. It was a wrong application of it. And I was like, oh my God, I would shake my head and go, whatever. But you know what? I found this individual going through the middle of this crisis in his life. All he wanted to do was encounter God. That's all he wanted. It was one of those, I've hit this place in life where it's so difficult. All I know is I will lean on him. I don't know what it looks like. I'm going to lean on him. He started having encounters with God. These wonderful, deep encounters with God that you can't really explain. And he would start to quote scripture as he knew it, and he would still quote it wrong and give it the wrong address. But there was power in it. Right? What are you talking about? He didn't know the word. Well, he knew the word. He just didn't know this like this, like we would understand it, but he knew the word. He knew the word as the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He knew the word because he had an encounter with him. And so even though he would put the wrong address on it or he would quote it a little, you know, he quote a little bit wrong, it was still, there had power. And I'm hoping this is making sense this morning. I'm not advocating 
some kind of do whatever you want with a word. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying the encounter is where the power gets released. And I found that in this process of these next few years of walking with him, we had classes that we would give. We had a school that we ran. We had all kinds of stuff that were all about, quote, making disciples. But this one individual who had never been through the class but had an encounter with God was the best disciple maker we had in the church. And he barely knew the word of God. Why is that? Because he, he determined, like Paul said, I'm not going to talk about anything that I don't know about. I'm going to talk about what I do know about. Come on, is this good? This, I'm hoping this makes it simple for us as believers because there's not such a thing as memorize so many verses, understand how many books are in the Bible, who wrote what, understand the chronological events that happened. I'm not saying you need to understand that. That's a Western approach about discipleship that really doesn't mean anything. I know a lot of people who know the word of God but don't know the God of the word. Absolutely powerless in their lives, but boy, they can tell you everything about it. I'm not looking for that. This is what Paul's talking about here. He says, those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed to make Gentiles obedient. The power of the Spirit coming on an individual's life and the encounter that we have in that transforms us to a completely other than person. I know by experience, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to have the word of God, a lot of it memorized. Growing up in a Christian school where I was memorizing, every week I had to memorize a chapter. Not verses, a chapter. I almost had the entire book of Romans memorized at one point. Still, in the middle of sin and fear and anger, completely lost as an individual, but then I have the encounter. And all of a sudden, this starts to make sense to me. Even though I could quote it to you, right and left, I could quote it night and day. All of a sudden, it started to make sense to me. Where I didn't just know the word of God anymore. I had an encounter with the God of the word. Look over now at Mark, chapter 16. You guys still with me, right? Yes. I'm, I'm setting you up for something. Don't worry. Mark, chapter 16. Here we are at the end of Mark's gospel. I love Mark because he's an action dude. Anybody in here like action-adventure movies? You like me? I'm like, that's what I like to watch. I like action. Mark, read Mark then. If you want to understand Jesus as an action figure, read the book of Mark. Read the book of Mark. Mark chapter 16, here he is, after the resurrection. Mark's account of Jesus' words just before his ascension. And he says this. Here's the command Jesus has given us. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I love that. It doesn't say every human. Every creature. All of creation gets to be a part of this gospel message. It's not just humanity. Hello? When Romans 8 starts to talk about the whole earth groaning and waiting for the revelation of the sons of God, connected to this right here, we get to change atmospheres. We get to change cultures. We get to change. I told you the story about me really trying to investigate, learn about this. What does it mean to be... The revealing, not the becoming, the revealing of the sons of God. That means they exist. It's just they haven't been revealed yet. To be revealed. Remember I told you this story. Some of you may not have been here. 
I was pondering, meditating on this. And when I meditate, I, I pace and I walk. And I walked outside, was w- walking around outside patio around the pool. And I saw my little pool cleaner, the little Polaris pool cleaner going around. And it's random, going around picking up leaves in the bottom of the pool. And I saw it pass by some leaves. And I went, go get the leaves. And that little unit turned around, went right back and picked, sucked up the leaves into it. Yeah. The whole earth, all of creation is groaning and waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. So when he says that we're to preach this gospel, this good news full of power, it gets to go to creation. We can speak to whatever we need to speak to. I tried it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes like that, it worked. I remember in our house last summer, lightning hit a big, huge pine tree in our backyard. I love that pine tree. It was a beautiful white pine. And lightning hit that thing. And I know what happens when lightning hits pine trees. It boils the sap and it kills the tree. Absolutely. And it blew everything out around it. It blew bark off of it, everything. I mean, it really cooked that tree. But I kept going out to that tree and speaking life over it. Life, 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 life over it. Well, I ended up having to cut the tree down. It died. But I'm still going to step out into what God has called me to do, which is preach this gospel of power to all creation. Is this making sense? It's not about making converts. It's about changing the world. I'm not interested in getting somebody to pray a prayer. I'm not interested in that. Praying a prayer doesn't mean anything. I know that it doesn't because I did it and it really didn't bring the transformation inside of me. As a matter of fact, even in the middle of my sin, I kept praying the prayer over and over and over again. That's one thing religion will do to you. You know that? It'll make you keep questioning whether you're saved. You know why? Because religion will squash your understanding and revelation of salvation so it'll keep you from being an effective believer. But when I have that settled inside of me, ain't nothing happening to me. He's holding me in his hand and he's never letting me go. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. I live in that perspective, then I can release the gospel of power. Hello, are you with me in the room here? All of creation gets in on it. Look over now at 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 2. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1, one of my, another one of my favorite passages here. This became very real to me in 08. This particular part, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through 5 specifically, became very real to me in 08. It says this, chapter 2, verse 1, And brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Testimony. For I am, I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And listen to this. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of what? Power. Power. Dunamis. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We've got a lot of preaching going on still that tries to convince us through the intellect. And what we end up with is a church that is educated far beyond their obedience. Where we know a lot, but we got no application to it. I am so much more interested in the application of this. What does it look like? What does the gospel of power actually look like? Our goal here is not to learn the Bible. Hello? Hello? You with me? This is not my goal. At Acts 2 Church, my goal here is not to learn the Bible. My goal here is to learn the author of the Bible. 
That's who I want to know. What? You're saying you're not teaching the Bible? No, I did not say that. I am more interested, <clears throat> more interested in people knowing the author of the Bible than knowing the Bible. What do you do with China? What do you do with a country that's so restricted that they don't even have Bibles, but yet the church is advancing like crazy there? Well, it's because they've learned something. It's not about that. It's about the author. It's about having the encounter with the author himself. Yeah. Bono? Everybody know who Bono is? Yeah, same one. He says, religion is what happened when the spirit leaves the room. <laughs> religion is what happens when the spirit, he doesn't leave us, but when we, when we become unaware of what he's doing. That's all we're left with is religion. John 14, 11, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus is saying, I'm trying to show you who the father is and you're not seeing it. So he says, so if you can't believe me for my words, I'm paraphrasing here. If you can't believe me for my words, believe me for the works themselves. What is he doing? He's advocating an experience over understanding. He's saying, if you don't believe me for what I'm trying to say to you and your intellect doesn't grab it, believe me for the works that I've done. Those things you've experienced, those things that you've been around, believe me for that right there. It's okay. So don't get freaked out if, if it feels like, oh, it's just about experience. It's just about experience. We are not in danger. We are not in danger of people who are all about experience and not about the word. I'm not, we're not about that at all. I have, I'm still giddy about this. I'm really still giddy about this. Somebody gave me a, a car and I, you know, I gave testimony to it a while back, but it's a really, really nice car. It's 10 years old, but when it came out in 05, it was the top of the line, every bell and whistle you can get on a Lexus top of the line deal. I mean, this car, push a button, talk to it, tell it what to do. I mean, it's, it's crazy kind of stuff. Wow. I can sit and read that manual all day long and vicariously enjoy that car, or I can get in the car and drive it. <laughs> Which sounds more fun to you? I can sit and read this thing and call it a manual all day long and enjoy it vicariously through stories. I can hear stories about Samson. I can hear stories about Noah, about God choosing him to change humanity. I can read stories about Abraham. I can read stories about David. And I can totally identify with it because of his life and my life. I can read all those kinds of stories and I can see it. But if I treat that as a manual for how I'm supposed to live, then all I've done is brought religion into my life. Because it's not about that. I would much rather drive the car than I would just read the manual. Now, I have to read the manual for that car. I think I need to do a pre-flight check before I drive that car. But it's, and I have to read it, but it's not what is important. What's really great is getting in it and actually experiencing what the thing will do. 1 Corinthians, since we're there, turn over to chapter 4, verse 20. Are you still in the room with me? Hello. Yeah. For the kingdom of God is not in what? Word, Word but in power. The kingdom is not primarily understood by words that are spoken, but by the power that is demonstrated. Look over at Matthew chapter 24. This will be the last one, I promise. Matthew chapter 24. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, I just want to make sure you're awake. Matthew chapter 24.
Now, before I go into this, I want to say, why am I talking about this, this gospel of power? Because church, as much as we will embrace even some crazy things here, I, for years, had a fear of things going too far. That's just going to go too far. Well, how do I determine what too far is? How, how am I supposed to determine that? What gauge am I supposed to use? I find things in this scripture that are absolutely off the chart too far. Right? You, you're with me, right? I'm with you. People getting caught up by their hair. <laughs> Old Testament prophets stripping naked, laying on the ground on their side for three days, cooking food over dung. That's just Old Testament stuff. You get into the New Testament, you got people going into trances, people getting transported from this place to that place. Well, Andrew, that's going too far. That was left back in that old time. We wouldn't want to do that because that let, you know, that gets a little weird if things start. You know, I don't know. I am God has capitalized on weird. He, you can't if you think if you think something is weird, if the, if something being weird defines it being God or not. Oh my gosh, man, we are messed up if that's where, if that's, where our, if that's just too weird for me. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I'm not making sense right now. But my, my heart in all of this is I don't think we are in, in, in a place where we need to be worried about going too far. There is something, I believe there are encounters that God wants to take us into that go way beyond, way beyond. I had an encounter a couple of years ago where I knew I left. I left my body and I went two years into the future. I told you that testimony, I think. I found myself going two years into the future and writing checks. And I was pushing these checks out. I wrote it down on my calendar. When I got to that time two years later, it just happened. All of a sudden, this stuff starts happening to us like crazy. Within a couple of days of that actual date starting to happen, that's when somebody gives me a very expensive car. Checks start coming in the mail like crazy. Is that weird? weird. It's a little weird, but I don't care. I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it. In this passage here, 24, verse 23 and 24, Jesus is speaking. He said, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise. Okay? Now listen. False Christ and false prophets will rise. I have heard this passage used for so long in my life to be warnings against false Christ and false prophets. And that's appropriate because that's what it's talking about. But we've gotten so warned about being afraid of false Christ and false prophets that we don't let anything in anymore. And it intimates that if there's false Christ and false prophets, then there has to be true ones. You're with me. Do you remember back with Moses when he went to get the people of Egypt out? God said, take your staff, throw it down on the ground. And what did it do? turned into a snake. Ooh, evil snake. Ooh. And then what did the sorcerers do? They threw down their staffs, right? And they turned into snakes. But what did Moses' snake do? Ate the other snakes. Why am I saying that? That's weird, right? That's weird. Oh, that's weird. But that's Old Covenant, Andrew. That's Old Testament. You know, that's just, okay, well, let's just say here for a second. If we let ourselves slip into what is normal and what is abnormal or what is extreme and what isn't extreme, here's what we end up doing. 
We miss out on the very thing that God wants to bring to us. We miss out on the Moses being able to throw down his staff and eat up the other snake. And so we get so afraid of, ooh, that's evil, don't do it. Now we don't have anybody throwing down staffs and making snakes anymore. Except for the ones who want to counterfeit. And then those snakes run everywhere. But now we don't have a snake to eat up those snakes. Is this making sense? All that Satan can do is counterfeit what has already been created. Not too long ago, there was a thing going around. I don't know how. I, I pay attention to a lot of what's happening in the church. I read a lot of articles. I, I watch a lot of videos and stuff. And there was a thing going around, around a while back going after this, what's called the kundalini spirit, which makes people do this and shake and stuff like that. And they're calling it a kundalini spirit. And they were talking about it. And even a documentary showed how. Are you guys okay with this? The documentary was showing. If you're not, I'm going to go there anyway. <laughs> a documentary was showing how that was actually something that happened in Indian um, Hinduistic rituals. That that's what would happen with people when they were worshiping uh, the Hindu gods, which there's millions of them. They would worship them and their bodies would start doing this and they'd start shaking and stuff like that. And so they were using that as an example of, ooh, this is coming into the church. We need to beware. It's coming into the church. Well, who said that, that this is the counterfeit or this is something that's being affected from the outside? What if... The original was God moving on people, and they just got the counterfeit version of it. Is this making sense? Now, this may sound a little extreme, and I'm not trying to promote just this people to doing whatever. I'm, that's not the point. The point is, if we, are so, if we find ourselves being so afraid of something being a false Christ or a false prophet, then we're going to restrict. We won't do anything, and all we get then is the counterfeit because the counterfeit will happen. It has to be up to us to bring, like Moses, to bring the serpent that eats up the rest of the other servants that are the counterfeit. Because all they do is reproduce, duplicate. Let me put it another way. In counterfeiting, if someone wants to counterfeit American dollars, how many times have you heard of a counterfeiter counterfeiting pennies? Why, why don't, okay, how many of them counterfeit $1 bills? Why? They don't have any value. All I'm saying is, anything that has value, Satan is going to counterfeit. And if we're afraid of something because it might be counterfeit, then we can't bring the real thing in order to eat up the counterfeit. I'm hoping this is making sense. There is a release of power. There is, and it's not about the manifestation. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I love manifestations, but that's not my goal. My goal is transform lives. Yeah. I don't care what happens in the manifestation. I want to see transform lives. Yeah. I, well, Andrew, don't, you've seen that before, Andrew. You've been in church long enough where people will start this affected thing where somebody will laugh and this person will start laughing. I'm like, whatever, fine. Well, they might be faking it. And? I'm more interested in what's going on in you. What's, what's, what's happening? Where's the transformation? Where's the encounter going on here? I'm not the dedicated truth police. That's not who I am to go around and try to say, well, that's, okay, that's official. That is not. That, oh, that one, I don't know. That one, I'm just really skeptical about you. Hmm. Can you imagine? That's what we end up doing in church, though. You guys know what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. Because you've been in rooms before where you've seen something happening and you're wondering. (laughs) 
The goal is not for everybody to manifest. Please don't misunderstand me. Please, on the tape, on this podcast, don't misunderstand me. That is not the goal. But at the same time, I'm not going to let myself miss out just because something happens that's outside my grid. Peter, after Jesus' ascension, not too long after that, within a few years, within 10 years, Peter is all about bringing the gospel to the Jews. That was his calling. Paul was about bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter was all about bringing it to the Jews. And he wouldn't have anything to do with Gentiles. God gives him, a, puts him in a trance. Ooh, a trance. God puts him in a trance. And in the trance, he sees a sheet being lowered with all kinds of animals in it that Jews aren't supposed to eat. And it, right in front of him, opens up. Yeah. It opens up with all these animals, and he hears Holy Spirit say to him, kill, eat. Not me. I would never touch that stuff. Had he not embraced what was God was doing in the moment, the Gentiles would have missed out on the gospel. Because that was through that trance right there that took him to Cornelius that released the gospel to the Gentiles. That's weird, though. That's weird stuff. Well, I know. Things are really weird. I'm... I'm not after going after the weird. Uh, uh, please, I hope you don't misunderstand me here this morning. I'm not after going after the weird. I'm after being in a position where we're not trying to categorize something and worry about, is that counterfeit or is that real? How about we just go after the real? Right. Even bankers, right, are trained to know what real money is, not by handling counterfeit money, but by handling real money over and over and over and over again. That's how they know when a counterfeit shows up because it feels weird. They can handle real money so long that they know exactly what it feels like. As soon as something counterfeit comes along, they know, hey, that ain't right. But did they learn that by focusing on what's wrong? No, they learned it by focusing on what's right. It's the heart of who we are. Satan's only going to counterfeit things that have value. And if we avoid what Satan has counterfeited, we're left with invaluable things. I don't want to settle in my Christianity for just pennies and dollar bills. That's what I'm saying. While somebody else gets to run around counterfeiting 20s and 100s and 50s. I want to embrace, I want to find the good stuff in all of it. Last week I had said this, and this is kind of a, a recap of that at some level. Don't run from something because it feels weird to you. Don't run from an atmosphere or a certain location. Don't go into a place of business, and then go, ooh, that just felt really, that feels new agey to me. I don't want to go in there. No, that's exactly what you should do. You should walk right into the middle of it. Well, that I felt a really demonic presence inside there. Well, go kick it in the butt. You either have the kingdom inside of you or you don't. Jesus says you have it inside of you. And even if you don't feel like you have it inside of you, he says the kingdom is, hand, is at hand, so reach out and grab it. You have Holy Spirit inside of you. I hope you're hearing me this morning. This is about changing cultures, church. This is what we're after. I am not interested in just having a church that's one of another inside of a city. I want to see a city that takes note and goes, man, there's something that happened over there. Man, they changed that neighborhood. How did they do that? Well, it's not going to come by social justice. It's going to come by the power of the Spirit inside of us. It's going to come by the gospel of power.
That's how we're going to invade with the kingdom of God and bring all the goodness and all the glory of God into an earth that so desperately needs it. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.